Yoga of Renunciation of Action in Wisdom. Sounds so complicated. Topic three. We're discussing a self-realized person. We're going to finish the topic today. It's talking about a self-realized person. When he merges with the self, Brahman, he or she becomes self-realized. Meaning they no longer identify with their body, mind, and soul. They identify with the self. They've passed that stage. And because they've passed that stage, they have no more desires. Because most desires are worldly desires. Everything you desire is in the world. So they have no more desires. No more desires are generated. So therefore, whatever action they do, it doesn't bind them to the world anymore. They're free. No more suffering and sorrow. Totally liberated. Free from the pairs of opposites. Free from worldly involvement. This is the state of a self-realized person. This is what this topic's talking about. And all the verses talk about the same thing. It becomes a bit repetitive. Verse 21, 22, 23, they all say the same thing. Is there any questions before we start? So verse 21, we covered. It says, an enlightened person is self-sufficient. So when we say enlightened, literally, what does that word mean? Enlightened. What does that word literally mean? Forget about spirituality. Any idea? What does enlightened mean? Yeah, so... They see the real and not the unreal. Okay. So, what does the word enlightened mean? That you've come from dark, you are no longer in darkness. The opposite is darkness. Enlightened means light. Opposite means darkness. So, what it's trying to say is that we're all in darkness. All of us, even though the lights are on, we're in darkness. Internally, we're living in darkness. We don't know who you are. We don't know where we come from, where we're going, what the role of, our, what's our purpose in life, what we're meant to do here. 
while we're in this birth, what we're meant to do. We don't know any of those things. So an enlightened person has risen above that. He now knows what his purpose is. So we're all in darkness, but gradually we're beginning to see the light because this is what this knowledge does. It shows us the light. And more you come out of darkness, the more enlightened you become, the more happier you become. You know what your role in life is. You're no longer dependent on the world, anything that it offers, no craving for anything. You're fully content. No more sensual pleasures. No more emotional joys, not chasing intellectual satisfaction. You live in the present, happy, content. Wherever you are, whatever your state. Compared to a person living in darkness, they're living on the basis, if I get that, I'll be happy. You see the difference? living in darkness you are looking for something you're searching for something if i fulfill that desire i'll be happy if i marry this girl i'll be happy but this destroys our peace we're never happy never content because this is never ending this is what the these great sages are saying you're going around in circles. And the reason we're not happy is because we're living in the future, never in the present. If I get that, I'll be happy. So therefore, right now, you're unhappy. It's just a recap, by the way, this. Never let your present happiness depend on future acquisition. Always be happy and content where you are right now. Even in spiritual development, you are in the right place right now. Put in the effort and develop. Don't be agitated. When will I get there? You'll get there when you're ready to get there. Wherever you are, always be happy. You can inspire for more. No harm in that. But be happy now, today. Having relinquished all possessions, a self-realized person given up the possessive attitude of his possession. Doesn't mean giving away your possession, means your attitude to your possession. You can be a millionaire, billionaire, but what's your attitude? It's mine. No one come near me. No one touch it. That's mine. This is mine. You're agitated. Don't have a possessive attitude. Only you will suffer. My child, my wife, my house, my car. This is how we are. That is mine, not yours. Sin means agitations. Agitations created by unfulfilled desires. When you do something wrong, knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah. 
And you then think, why did I do this? Why did I say that to that person? You get agitations. You have committed a sin. If you don't have those feelings, you haven't committed a sin. A, bank, a robber can rob a bank and have no agitations. Any questions? So if you're agitated, it's a sin, after an action. And it's different for everyone. This is the thing. As you become more developed spiritually, more things will agitate you. That shows you where you are. self la soul, no agitations. Verse 22, man of perfection is described here, one who is unaffected by the result of his actions, success or failure. He is in harmony with his environment. He accepts his situation, whatever that may be. Completely happy. Nothing affects him. Whatever house, car, clothes, happy, he's happy. He's risen above the pairs of opposites that make up the world. Profit, loss, heat, cold, nothing affects him. So that means affectation is in our hands. We can choose to be affected or not. It's up to us. So this knowledge helps us to rise above the pairs of opposites. Self-realized person has no ill feelings towards his fellow men, no envy, hatred, jealousy. He loves all fellow beings. He's not affected by success or failure. He merely performs his duty without expectations. He's happy with whatever he gains from his actions. So these are markers to show where are we. And because he functions in this way, he creates no new vastness. All he does is exhaust his current vastness. So it's a tall order, all that. And where are we? But we know where to strive towards, how to strive, which direction to strive. Only you can develop yourself. It's like only you can go to the gym and develop those muscles. No one can do it for you. Similarly, even the, the spiritual path, only you can develop yourself. No one can do it for you. Vijayabhai, you have to put your own effort in. Arunaben can't help you. You have to do your own. So everyone's on their own. We come on our own, we go on our own. That's it. Any questions? Okay, so we'll do verse 23. Gatasangasya muktasya jnana vashtita chetasaha yajnaya charata karma samagram praviliyate gatasangasya muktasya 
One who is devoid of attachment, liberated with mind established in knowledge, acting for yajna, sacrifice, his whole action is dissolved. So this concludes the description of a self-realized soul, this verse. No attachments to the external world and its changes. We've covered all this. He accepts whatever the situation is. Mentally, he is self-confident, composed, balanced. He can handle any situation. All his actions are dedicated in the spirit of service and sacrifice. And now we come across a very important word. This spirit of service and sacrifice is termed in the Sanskrit language as yajna. You hear this word a hundred times now. Lord Krishna introduced this word yajna. What does yajna mean? Anyone? To you, what does it mean, yajna? Literally, what does it mean? You may realize it as a recognize it as a different word. Any idea what does yagnya mean? Did did we talk about it um, in terms of fire? Yeah. Spirit like a spiritual fire worship or something. Yep. Some of us call it heaven. Yeah, you might be more familiar with that word. In Sanskrit, it's called yagnya. Now, yagnya is a ritual. We've all performed this sometime in our life. Even when you got married, they did a yagnya, haven. We went around it seven times. We all know it as fire worship. What does it represent? Any idea? Yagnya, fire worship. We've all done it. Why have we done it? What does it represent? Is it about burning away all that's lower? Mm -hmm. And I suppose so we can connect to what's higher? Yeah, could say that. In a nutshell, you're right, Ilan. Sacrificial actions dedicated to a higher ideal. You're getting married, you go around a haven, yagnia. You're sacrificing yourself, each of you, to the relationship. Something higher, a higher ideal. I'm marrying this person. I want it to work. A higher ideal. Right now, you only identify with yourself. Now you have to think of your partner. So, higher worship, sacrificial action dedicated to a higher ideal. This is our next topic. 
if you perform actions in this way, spirit of service and sacrifice, you dissolve your desires, your vastness. You don't create further desires if you act in this way. You become free from desires, free from attachment. How can you be free? See, what we're going to discuss is what does this yagnya sacrifice mean? What is this haban, this fire? What does it mean? And it's not what you think. It's completely different than what all of you think. You're going to find yourself educated in this. When you do a havan next time, you look at it completely different. It's a process of extinguishing your desires. It's a process of exhausting your desires. In every action you do in life. I know some of you must be scratching your head and thinking, what's he talking about? It's a little bit difficult to get your head around this. Swamiji said that it took him, the next four verses took him five and a half months to understand. Put a head around it. Mind is established in knowledge, knowledge of the self. If it is not, then you become attached to everything, your work, your family, your possessions, even your religion. You can even get attached to this knowledge. Did you know that? Even this knowledge, it's only there for you to reach the ultimate goal of self-realization. It's, it's just a, something you have to do in order to get to your goal. You can't be attached to even this knowledge, attached to the guru. All that stops you. When you're free from attachments, you're liberated. When you're free, you're liberated, you become mentally free. Then you're free to pursue self-realization. Until then, it's very difficult. You have to rise above your attachments. Any questions? We're going to cover more of it, so don't worry if you don't understand it, yeah? Havan frees you. Fire worship frees you from your desires. Once you're free, then you act in the spirit of service and sacrifice. What does that mean, anyone? Acting in the spirit of service and sacrifice. What could that mean? Why would you act in spirit of service and sacrifice? Dharmesh, any idea? Why would you act in the spirit of service and sacrifice? Because you're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for yourself. And when you don't do it for yourself, then what happens? You're doing it for others and to become one with yourself. You see everything as one. Okay. How does it help you though? You're not, you're not making desires. You're making you're not desires. When you act in the spirit of service and sacrifice, I'm dedicating all my actions to something higher. 
highest spin self-realization. But you can't think in that way until you've reached that stage, when you're free from your attachments and your desires in the world. Right now, everyone acts to gain something in return. Even if you go to the temple, you want God to give you something in return. God, please fulfill this desire. God, let there be peace in the world. Still a desire. If you act in the spirit of service and sacrifice, then ultimately you exhaust all your vastness. Then your one goal in life, self-realization. Any questions? Like I said, don't worry too much about it. We're going to go in more detail. You right? So, Arunabin, could you read that verse, please? This verse describes a perfect individual as one established in knowledge of self, liberated from the world and devoid of attachment to the fluctuating external situations and environment to his internal mental conditions and to the spirit effects of his action. He acts in the world in the spirit of service and sacrifice, termed yajna in this verse. Yajna actually refers to a ritual of fire worship originating in the Vedic times. Yajna symbolizes sacrificial actions dedicated to a higher ideal. The ritual and its significance have been explained in detail in chapter 3, verse 9. A person acting in the spirit of Yajna exhausts his vastness. Consequently, his entire actions become dissolved. Thank you. Let me just see chapter 3, verse 9, because in my book it's different. This is a very old book I'm using. Chapter 3, verse 9, what does it say? People the world over are bound. The worst world is bound by action other than those performed for the sake of yagnya, sacrifice. O Kontea, perform action for that sake, free from attachment. Lord Krishna is telling Arjuna, this world is bound by action, desires, other than those performed for the sake of yagnya. So when you work in the in the spirit of service and sacrifice, you don't create more desires. So how do you develop this? You can't do a hoven every day in your house. How do you, what do you do? How do you practice this? There's a very deep meaning to this. First of all, we need to all be on the same page. What is yagnya? What is fire worship? Shilabin? What is it? Fire worship. What do you do? Haven. What happens in a haven? Uh, uh, you are, they're putting um, a lot of different types of wood and uh, all the substances inside. And yep. then it burns off and it creates, uh, it goes basically into ashes. So okay. you're killing in the sense like, you know, you're killing everything. So how like how Dharmesh uh, described, you're not creating new desires. Okay. 
Okay, good. So there's a kund. It can be made of bricks. We have it when uh, metal. So this is called a kund. And there's a fire created in there. And as Shilabin said, everyone brings some grains, some ghee, and they put it in there. Why do you do it? In India, it's a lot more common. Family may perform it. They will invite their close family. They all bring some grain and ghee. They offer the ghee, the grains to the fire. Pandit is chanting some shlokas while this is going on. Yeah, you're all familiar with this. And when you put the grains and ghee in there, what happens? What happens to the flame? It lightens up further. It Shoots up. Yeah. Does anyone know what the significance of that is? When the flame shoots up, what is the significance? It created more energy at that moment. Yeah, okay. Dharmesh, what do you think? It's a blessing. Bye. If I remember rightly, I think it was fire god fire god it's a blessing by the fire god as the flames shoot up you're blessed and everyone who's participating so it's important to understand this before we move on that everyone understand why we do this and what the ritual is so in the ritual there's an offering as a result the fire is kindled and the people worship the fire and they're blessed by the fire Fire is one of the five elements that make up this world. And why fire? Because four of your senses can contact it. You can smell the fire. You can touch the fire. You can see the fire. You can hear the fire kindling. So, you exhaust all your ghee, you exhaust all your grains, and then the fire is burnt out. What is left is ashes. And the ritual ends. Now we don't do it here, but in India, what happens is the pundit takes the ashes and gives some to everyone. And what do they do? They make three stripes on their forehead. You'll see when you go to India or you see Brahmins, They've got three stripes on their forehead. Anyone know what that represents, the three stripes? Uh, they are all our vasanas, the sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic. Very good. This represents tamas, rajas, and sattva. You're trying to rise above those three and get to the fourth state. And thereafter, what do they do? They go to the temple, or if there's a temple in the house, they go there, do a pratna, bhagilagwanu, and that's the end of the ritual. Everyone clear about that now? Any questions on the ritual? So what's the significance of this? 
So the kund represents the family. Or it could represent the business. If you're doing it at work, it can represent the business. Or example, let's say all the class members got together and we do a havan, a yagnia. It would represent all the members of our class. And the significance of this is that no matter what stage you are, we come together and we develop together. We take participate in this ritual all together to help us. If it was a business, then everyone taking part puts in their efforts to make the company successful. Doesn't matter what you do in the company, managing director, salesperson, cleaner, sweeper, laborer, everyone gets together. We all perform the ritual together. When the flame shoots up, we all get blessed so that we can all reach our goal in life together by helping each other. So this is the ritual. So it's important that we understand this before we get to the next topic. Is there any questions on that? Any clarifications? We've all learned something new today about yagnya, oven, why we do it. Any questions on that? Is everyone clear on that? Arunabhin, you clear on that? Yagnya. Kevil? Okay. Let's do verse 24. So, you okay? When you talked about the way yagna side, mm -hmm. you asked the question so, how do you practice yagna acting mm -hmm. in a spirit of service and yeah. sacrifice? Verse 24. Oh. I could put later foundation before we get to the next verse. Because what we've just discussed is not in the book. Yeah. So verse 24 thinks that you already know this. Yeah. That's why. Brahma panam brahma havir brahma no brahma na hutam brahme vatena gantavyam brahma karma samadina Brahmarpanam Brahma Havir Brahmagno Brahmana Hutam Brahme Vatena Gantavyam Brahmakarma Samadina. I know this prayer very, very well. You know why? In the ashram, before you have your meal, you have to. You have to say this prayer every day. So for three years, three times a day, we've been saying this prayer. <laughs> so know it inside out. What does it translate to? The act of offering is Brahman. The oblation is Brahman. Offered by Brahman in the fire of Brahman. By seeing Brahman in action, Brahman verily shall be reached by him. Sounds complicated. 
The act of offering is Brahman. The oblation is Brahman. Offered by Brahman in the fire of Brahman. By seeing Brahman in action, Brahman verily shall be reached by him. Any idea what the what this verse is supposed to say in, in, in that one sentence? Any idea? Any idea? Dharmesh? You, you, I think you'll know the answer to this one. <laughs> if all actions are towards God, God yeah. will receive it and all is offered to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in a conclusion, in a nutshell, what does it verse mean? We are God. Everything is Brahman. You can read it as everything is Brahman. Everything you do is Brahman. Whatever reason you do it for is Brahman. And there's nothing else but Brahman. That's what this verse means. Hema, could you read the first paragraph, please? This verse equates the different aspects of the fire worship, yagna, to the supreme god, Brahman. The yagna ritual consists of offering the oblation in the form of grains or clarified butter to the fire god. The offering, the oblation, the fire, every aspect of the ritual indicates Brahman and Brahman alone. The ritual represents all human activities. All are nothing but Brahman alone. Beings are Brahman. All the activities are Brahman. The goals in life are Brahman. All are Brahman because the entire world is nothing but a projection of Brahman. Just as the entire dream world is a projection of the waker's mind, one ray of the waker's mind becomes the dreamer. Another ray of the mind becomes the sun in the dream. Another, the moon. The stars, the flora, and the fauna of the dream. There is nothing in the dream which is not the waker's mind. Similarly, this whole world, similarly, this whole world is a superimposition upon Brahma. The substratum of the world is nothing but all the pervading Brahman. All aspects of the yagna is Brahman. The offering, the grains and the ghee is Brahman. The oblation, the fire, oblation means the kun. It's another word. It's Brahman. Everything is Brahman. Brahman alone. The ritual represents all human activities, since all beings are also Brahman. We are all Brahman. All our goals that all aspire to is also Brahman. All action is Brahman. The conclusion is that the whole world is a projection of Brahman, a superimposition upon Brahman. Now, that's a deep thought. Everything is Brahman. Why don't we recognize Brahman in everything? This verse is saying everything is Brahman. Why don't we recognize this? So you understand this first, that's it. You close the Gita. You don't need to study anymore. <laughs> why does, why do we not remember Brahman in everything we do? Brahman, God, spirit, whatever you want to. Is it because you've got to identify with the self first? 
and see everything as one unified consistency. Simple. We identify with our body, mind, intellect, and not the spirit. We forget. And that's the problem. So how can we remember? How can we remember everything is Brahman? It's not easy, is it? Saying all our actions is Brahman. How can we remember everything is Brahman? You're cooking your food for your family. How can you remember this food is Brahman and everything I'm cooking is Brahman? How can you remember that? Okay, well, how do you remember your wife is Brahman every time you see her? Don't worry, I'm not looking for an answer. But the next topic is exactly what, discusses exactly what we just said. Everything you do, how can you remember Brahman in that? And this is what the Yagnya represents. Remember, the kund, the offering, and the fire, correct? So every action you do in life can become a Yagnya. What are you giving? You're giving your action. You get stimulus from the world. Hearing, seeing, smelling. How can you convert that to a yagnya? We're going to cover that in the next few verses. One, very, very slowly, I have to say, because it's quite uh, difficult to understand because you have to change the way you're thinking of what a yagnya is. How, whatever action you do, how can you remember Brahman? Hema, last paragraph, please. Verse 24 is actually chanted as a prayer before meals so that one does not forget the presence of Brahman while enjoying the senses. It helps in remembering while eating that food is only to enable one to reach the ultimate goal of Brahman. The following verses take up each activity and show how each can be converted into worship. Worship or prayer must be constant. It is not a part-time occupation of an idle mind. It is the concentrated awareness of a dynamic mind upon reality. That awareness must be maintained all through the day, all through the year, all through your life, till you gain self-realization. See, we pray. Everyone prays, let's say. First thing in the morning, they do puja. They have a temple at home. They do a divo, a garbati. Whatever ritual you do, for that moment, you remember God, maybe. Or you get involved in the ritual. You may for a second pray to God. But once that ritual is over, it's finished. You don't remember God for the next morning. Correct me if I'm wrong. True or not? So how is that going to get you to that stage of self-realization? See, even to earn money, you go to work eight hours a day, five days a week, and then you earn some money. Spending 30 minutes every morning, how are you supposed to get to that goal of self-realization? This is what it's saying. 
It is not a part-time occupation of an idle mind. It is the concentrated awareness of a dynamic mind upon reality. That awareness must be maintained all through the day, all through the year, all through your life till you gain self-realization. So the next topic talks to us about explains so how to do that. Whatever you're doing, cooking your food, working, whatever you're doing, how can you turn that into a yagnya? So you remember God, Brahman, while you're doing those activities. See, if you, whatever action you're doing, if you can somehow turn it into a spiritual action, thinking of Brahman, then you're thinking of God constantly. You don't have to go to your temple every morning in the 30 minutes, and that's it. Time with God is over. I've pleased him. Get on with your life. You have to remember him constantly. And the only way you can do that, unless you lock yourself in a temple every day, is to remember him while you're acting in the world. While you're earning money. While you're driving. While whatever you're doing. Any questions? And if you do that, then all your actions become sacrificial. In the spirit of sacrifice, service and sacrifice. So I know it sounds a little bit deep and unfortunately it is a little bit deep, but we'll try and keep it as simple as possible in the next few verses. Any questions? Everyone's got droopy eyes now. <laughs> Another interesting bit here, it says, we're not going to start the next verse until next week because uh, it's quite deep. And uh, we have to take it afresh. But this is just like a foundation for this. Another thing it says is that the entire dream world is a projection of the waker's mind. Does everyone understand that? While you are dreaming, whatever world you create in that dream, everything is the waker's mind. One ray of the mind becomes the sun in the dream, another the moon, the stars, the flora, the fauna of the dream. Even your partner in the dream is your mind. Maybe different from the one in, in the waking world, still part of your mind. There is nothing in the dream which is not the waker's mind. Similarly, this whole world is Brahman. Everything is Brahman. So this waking world, what it's trying to say is no different from a dream world. Can you imagine that? It's just another dream. This whole waking world is just another dream. everything in it. Any questions? So it needs a little bit of reflection. You need to think about it. 
next few verses, you're going to have to study it to understand it. But we'll cover it as simply as possible. So this concludes topic three and introduces us to topic four. Now I'm just going to read the summary for you. The 12 yagniyas, 12 sacrifices. Yagniya in the ancient past merely meant the ritual of fire worship. People worshipped the fire god by kindling the flames with their offerings. Krishna gives a new interpretation to yagniya, such that it can be applied to daily life. With this interpretation, he makes it possible for a seeker to convert his worldly actions into worship. So everything you do becomes worship. The cycle of human activity starts with receipt of stimuli by the organs of perceptions. Your five senses receives stimuli from the world. Then it reacts within the mind and intellect and ends with response back into the world with the organs of action. This entire cycle has been split into 12 main activities. Each of them turned into a ritual, a worship, a yagniya. Those who understand this and make their daily activities a practice of these yagniyas will free themselves of their vasanas and their desires. So from Sunday morning classes, we're trying to get everyone to remember Brahman throughout the day, every day, whatever action you're doing. Then you start developing spiritually. Then you start remembering God in everywhere, everything. Everything is Brahman. Okay, any questions? We're gonna stop there because uh, it's a lot to take in. Ganesh? Good? Any questions? So, as I stated before, everything is Brahman. Everything is, absolutely. So, this world we live in, we don't have any free sense. As I said before, it's all Brahman led. Everything is. Absolutely. We just need to recognize that. Until we come to that conclusion ourselves, it's just words, words, words. <laughs> Doesn't have that meaning. Everything is a problem. Any questions? Any clarifications? It's a lot to take in. No, I think that it's quite clear, but I think it's always the application, isn't it? Mm, how do you apply it? Yeah. That's the next few verses, tells you how to apply it. <laughs> Something that we, we, look, we can look forward to. Shilabin, everything okay? Any questions? So now you all know what this pavan means, this fire worship that we casually do, the meaning of it. Okay, if there's no more questions, we will close the class now. And we will see you next week.